of multiplication and of transformation. It is a story of a God who has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself and to make all things new for his own glory. It's a story of hope, joy, and love. And we are part of it. Isn't that exciting? The fact that we're all here. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know, our denomination, EFCA, was birthed in the gospel. We have been and remain a people of the gospel. This is reflected in our name, Evangelical. As a member of EFCA, we are part of this gospel movement, multiplying churches who bring transformation to people, neighborhoods, and entire cities. The theme of our church this year, what is it? Oh yeah, you guys got good eyes. <laughs> Here we go, the banner's already hung. Why don't we read it slowly? What is the theme for 2019? Multiplying followers of Jesus. Great. When we came up with this theme, we had multiplication and transformation in mind. The theme passage is taken from Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and that is the Great Commission. The core of the passage is disciple-making, that is, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. What is disciple-making? I think it is good to define what disciple-making is before we move on. Disciple-making is a deliberate process in helping people over an extended period of time, guiding their experiences so that they become saved and ultimately develop into Christians who are mature and able to do the same with still others. That is the definition of disciple-making. When we focus on training Christ followers to make disciples, who, in turn, will make disciples. And the end result will be planting of churches. And if the DNA, uh, the DNA of disciple-making is at the core of our church, uh, CFC, it will, in essence, become a church-planting factory, constantly producing uh, disciple-makers who, in turn, plant churches which in turn produce, uh, produce more disciple-makers, who in turn plan even more churches. And this is what multiplying followers of Jesus all about. To achieve the above, it requires planning, training, readiness, financial backing, and above all, prayer. And I encourage you to include this year's theme, to include, you know, what it means, you know, talk about disciple-making uh, in your personal prayer. And continue pray for the church. Pray for yourself as well. Pray that God will help us 
to multiply followers of Jesus. Why don't we go to prayer this time? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for choosing us to be followers of Jesus. As we seek to multiply more followers of Jesus, give us strength, give us power, give us guidance, give us wisdom, and give us humility to follow Jesus. And in his name we pray. Let's turn to our Bible, your Bible, whatever version. Um, and we'll look at it, uh, today's scripture reading, uh, which is again, this is our 2019 theme passage, taken from Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. And learn from it, and learn from Jesus himself on multiplying followers of his. Let, let me read it to you again, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus comes to the disciples, probably from heaven, and begins first by establishing the basis for his command here. His absolute all-embracing authority as the risen Lord, the resurrected Lord, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. You know, he is not yet exercising all of it. He will manifest his power when he returns in all his glory. The word authority normally refers to uh, delegated authority. And the Father would give this authority to the Son. Here the Lord Jesus may have been uh, recalling the prophecy of Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 where the one like a son of man is given authority, glory and sovereign power. Let me read to you these two verses. I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus' authority has been emphasized often in the book of Matthew. Let's take a look at some of them. For instance, chapters 4 and 9 record Jesus' authority to heal. And then chapter 7, it talks about the authority of Jesus, Jesus' words, what he said. And then in chapter 8, Jesus claims his authority to command. And in chapter 8, chapters 8, 12 and 17, 
record Jesus' authority over demons. And then in chapter 9, we see Jesus' authority to forgive sins. And then in chapter 10, Jesus passed on his authority to the disciples. And in chapter 13, we see that Jesus has the authority to judge. And then in chapter 21, uh, chapter 21 shows that Jesus' authority to perform his deeds, and that is from God. Moreover, the authority is both heavenly and also as well as earthly. And the major message here is in verse 20, here and also in verse 20, is that Jesus, as the, the resurrected Lord, the risen Lord, has the authority of God, uniting the heaven and the earth. As he said in John 151, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's take a look at verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. On the basis of his authority, Jesus now commissions his disciples. Jesus, his universal authority, makes it possible, the universal mission. In the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament time, for Israel uh, to the nations, uh, really the mission, where God meant to uh, give a mission to Israel and for them to really to spread God's love to other nations. And that's what I call the centripetal, centripetal, bringing people toward them, toward them. And that is Israel, they were to stay in the Holy Land and they witnessed to the grace of God. And so the nation, they see them, they see God's grace and see the witnesses and then the nation will be drawn to them to be blessed. And now in the New Testament, instead of centripetal, and now the mission is now centrifugal. centrifugal. The mission is now moving outward from them, taking the message to, out to the nations. This is the messianic act. Here the Great Commission passage is that Messianic, la messianic launch of the universal mission, and it constitutes the final word of Jesus to the disciples in Matthew. The word go is the operative act, as now God's people are no longer to stay in Jerusalem and be a kind of show and tell for the nations, but they are actively to go and take the message to the nations. Often, verse 19 is viewed as having 
three commands, namely to go, to baptize, and to make disciples or teach. However, the entirety of the Great Commission actually revolves around the main imperative, and that is make disciples. Making disciples involves three steps: going, baptizing, and teaching. Especially the last two. Baptism looks at the decision to trust in Jesus. It was assumed that when a person trusted in our Lord Jesus, he would be baptized. The New Testament knows of no unbaptized believers. Let's look at the the first half of uh, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus sent his disciples to make disciples of all nations. That mandate may seem obvious to us today, the 21st century. After all, we live in this 21st century. After almost like 2,000 years of Christian outreach, Christianity now is an overwhelming so-called Gentile religion with approximately one-third of the world's population. And with today's advanced technology, it appears that we have a relatively easy or simple task to expand Christianity outreach even further. But let's go back 2,000 years ago for a moment. At that time, Jesus' disciples, they wanted a local hero, a local hero, a Messiah just for them, for Israel only, a Messiah who would follow their customs and confirm their prejudices. Prejudices, that means all their own perspective needs and their own expectations. So they were no doubt, they were surprised They were shocked by the extent and far-reaching implication of the global cross-cultural vision that Jesus now presented to them. That Jesus was turning out to be more than the king of the Jews. He was the international Christ. He is the savior of the entire world, the whole human race. But isn't it easier to follow a Christ that fits comfortably only to our own culture? <laughs> Whether the Chinese culture, Korean culture, Asian culture, uh, the, uh, the Los Angeles culture, <laughs> California culture? Culture, after all, is the key. Jesus told his fo- uh, followers to make disciples. You know what? And they did. They made what? Jewish disciples. But they experienced huge culture shock, a culture shock when the Holy Spirit brought in, brought to them new groups into the fellowship, including disciples from Greece, from Samaria, and eventually Gentile disciples of all kinds. And today, The bulk of new disciples are non-white, non-Western, 
So it is really not, it is not surprising that they bring you know, different cultural perspectives into the church. Therefore, one of the greatest challenges Christians will face, continue to face in the coming years, is the same that 2,000 years ago, the original disciples faced, and that is not only to believe, uh, but also to accept that Jesus really is for all nations. For it is God, uh, God's overall uh, long-term objective to make disciples of all nations, making his name great among the nations. Not only Jesus mandates uh, the disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, but also baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, as in the second half of verse 19. We can see that not only does Jesus launch the universal mission, he also launches baptism. Baptism as the primary sacrament of, in, of initiation into Christian faith. And here Jesus adds meaning to baptism, which brings the believer into the lordship of the triune Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Teaching, teaching is based on Jesus, his own teaching, based on Jesus' own teaching ministry. Here we at the heart of the book of Matthew. Have you read through, already read through the book of Matthew and studied the book of Matthew? There are five discourses centering on Jesus' ethical teaching as the basis of the teaching ministry for the disciples. And the five discourses in Matthew are the Sermon on the Mount, the missionary instructions, the collection of the parables, the church, and the Sermon on End Times, eschatology. Jesus passes his teaching ministry. He passes his teaching authority on to the disciples who through the Spirit will share his teaching, his teaching power under God. The final emphasis of this, the book of Matthew is that its truths are always a present reality. It is not just something happened in the past. The Jesus of Matthew is uh, omnipresent, omnipresent with his people and in every way at work, empowering our lives, empowering all those who trust in him. It is Jesus' authority and his presence, his power at work in us that makes it possible or make it easier for us to overcome our weaknesses and accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. I believe that most of you, if not all of you, 
uh, are familiar with the Great Commission. For this morning, I just want you to bring home uh, two points. <laughs> two points. First one, every Christian makes disciples. While the Great Commission is the missionary imp imperative of Jesus, it is easy for us to misunderstand our Lord's instruction. Seeing the application of the Great Commission as primar primarily individualistic rather than communal is a good example. This misunderstanding gives the wrong notion that individual Christians are expected to leave home for foreign fields in order to share the gospel. Don't get me wrong. While the cross-cultural ministry is part of what it means for the Great Commission to be fulfilled, we have also to remember that this commission is given to the disciples as a group, to us, CFC. It is God's will that every Christian makes disciples, not just the responsibility of the leaders or a chosen few. Michael Gohin is now recently joined the faculty of Covenant Theological Seminary. He's now professor of missional theology there. He says it well. The Great Commission is not a task assigned to isolated individuals. It is an identity given to a community. Second point I want you to bring home with, we, we, we evangelize and disciple both. We, the church community, we have to remember that the task of the church is not just to evangelize but also to disciple the world for Christ. The many Christians, many folks believe that a huge error has occurred over the last two centuries, the last 200 years in the missionary movement. Our objective is, objective is of course, to reach the world with the gospel message of salvation. But Many, deno many denominations and many mission organizations have been satisfied to give little more than salvation messages. The Great Commission makes, makes it clear that it's simply not enough. Every person who accepted Christ must be anchored in Christ and taught how to live for Christ on a daily basis in day-to-day -day decisions. CFC members, our church members, we're followers of Christ. It is my prayer that all of us will involve in disciple-making, which is a deliberate process in helping people over an extended period of time, guiding the experiences so that they become saved and ultimately develop into Christians who are mature to, to enable to do the same with still others. Remember this definition of disciple-making.
It is also, also my prayer that you will pray with me to ask God for guidance and wisdom. Ask Him to shape our church, to shape CFC with a strong disciple-making culture. That it will be our DNA to become a fruitful disciple-maker. Pray for clear vision. Pray for clear vision casting and clarify uh, clarity in mission. And finally, as we devote ourselves in different, with many different responsibilities and activities, ask God to keep us focused. Keep, ask God to keep us focused on the vision He bestowed upon us so that we can avoid mission drift. I read a, an article recently. It says here, Every day, FedEx sends over 4 million packages to valued customers. FedEx delivery, route, or delivery routes cover every U.S. street and service more than 220 countries. In order to send well, FedEx has over 170,000 employees, 675 aircrafts, 50,000 ground transportation vehicles, and 1,800 office locations. It's a bit of mysterious, but somehow FedEx has figured out a way for customer to ship packages within one day turnaround. If FedEx knows anything, he knows how to send well. The church may not be, may not be in the package deliver, delivery business, but the church is in the people delivery business. At least that's what Jesus wanted the church to be about. However, sending people is not always the top priority in churches. And if we are being honest, sometimes the church has not done a good job sending out laborers for, the God's, for God's harvest. FedEx has a unique way of looking at the world. It operates with a deep conviction that everyone in the world should have the ability to send and receive packages. God may not be all too concerned about packages being delivered on time, but the scriptures make it clear that God desires all people to receive the message of salvation and come to the knowledge of the truth. God operates with a deep conviction that everyone should have the ability to send and receive eternal hope. So what is God's distribution plan? Simply put, the followers of Christ. And this reality means the church may need to take a few notes from FedEx commitment to send well. May God help us as we start this new year, as we start this focus on multiplying followers of Jesus, 
May God help us to do just that. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, help us to fulfill the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. And in his precious name we pray. Amen.